Warning, spoilers ahead. I like nice tits. <laughs> I always have. How about you? I like having nice tits. How do you like having them? What do you mean? You know what I mean. I like having them in a nice dress. You like to show him off. I didn't like showing him off the cheetah. Why not? I like looking at him there. Everybody liked looking at him there. Made me feel like a hooker. You are a whore, darling. No, I'm not. We all are. We take the cash, we cash the check, we show them what they want to see. Maybe you are a whore, Crystal, but I'm not. You and me, we're exactly alike. I'll never be like you. Good evening, and welcome to television. Hello. G'day. Hi there. Hello. Whoa. Hey. I'm Owen Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting, and welcome to Fred Watch. We'll review and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. And welcome to another craptacular special where we review a movie so horrendous, it's begging for a Fred Watch discussion. Today's film is so gloriously hyperbolic, we've invited a few guest reviewers. Hey there, Kendall. Hi. Kirsten, hello. Hi, how are you, Wayne? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. <laughs> Fully on my DR. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> So nice to have you all with us on this momentous day in Fred Watch history. Yes. I would like to think. Yes. So nice. Yes. Elaine, what is today's film? Well, mate, today we're reviewing one of Hollywood's most infamous gambles. It's 1995's erotic drama, Showgirls. Please explain. Young drifter Nomi Malone, Elizabeth Barkley, hitchhikes to Las Vegas with the hopes of making it in Sin City. From French fry abuse and topless dancing to humiliation and betrayal, Nomi's rise from stripper to showgirl is anything but easy. With director Paul Verhoeven and Hollywood's highest paid writer Joe Esterhas teaming up once again after their huge success with 1992's Basic Instinct, Showgirls was met with great expectations, much hype and significant controversy owing to the film's excessive sex and nudity. It was the first and, as of this recording, only NC-17 rated film to be given a wide release in mainstream theatres. Furthermore, its box office success would have paved the way for more movies with risque subject matter to come out of Hollywood. However, audience restriction caused by its classification, along with poor reviews, resulted in the film becoming a box office bomb, taking $37 million from a $45 million budget and the term showgirls bad entering movie criticism discourse. But just like our protagonist Nomi, you can't keep a determined girl down. So Philip, <sighs> did you lick your pole for showgirls? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Even pre-COVID, I mean, oh, STDs. I was not a fan of this. Why does that surprise me? <laughs> 
There was nothing redeemable about this show in the slightest, to the point that I don't even know exactly where to start. Okay, so you'd heard of Showgirls, right? I had heard of Showgirls. Um, it seems to be one of Kirsten's favourite horrible films. Yes, <laughs> but we'll get to me later. Yes, Kirsten, um, you'll have your time to speak. I <laughs> had seen, you know, some of the more. Yeah, infamous uh, scenes like the pool scene <laughs> yeah which I would like to add just quickly I always thought was a parody <laughs> like when, whenever I'd see that actual scene I always thought it was a parody of the, the showgirls for like a you know not another teen movie style <laughs> crap parody show but no apparently that is the actual uh, scene um there is nothing about this. The the writing, the directing, the acting, the fact that it was produced. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 any Ooh. of it, is, none of it is good in my eyes. And, and I, I, yes, as I said, not even 100% sure where to start. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So, well, well, we'll break down the film yeah. uh, as we go on. But Kendall, film buff. So yes. you've definitely heard of Showgirls, but oh, yeah. this was your first exposure? It, yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely my first exposure uh, to Showgirls. Yeah, I'm very, very much aware of where this fits into the zeitgeist of, of, of film and uh, just its notoriety kind of, you know, is just something to behold, <laughs> really. Um, but yeah, I'd never have a desire to see it because just, you know, I mean, I have taste. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> so <Rude. laughs> Love you, Kirsten. Love you too. <laughs> Someone in the fridge that is triggered. <laughs> Maybe more than one of us is triggered. <laughs> but, but look, look, I will follow that statement by saying that there were some elements in this film that I kind of enjoyed, surprisingly. Um, I'm very surprised I, I found something to like about this. Yeah, like I just, I don't know, I just, it, it's not a good movie. It's, it's really not. And it's, there's a lot of problems. And I think for me, the fr- most, most frustrating part is the fact that I think there is a good movie hidden inside it mm. somewhere. If things had played differently leading up to this film, maybe it could have actually been a decent Oscar-worthy drama, who knows? But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely glad to have finally experience <laughs> Showgirls. Right, well, I think somebody who was more than happy to re-experience Showgirls, Kirsten. Hi, yes, I've been very, I've been very much looking forward to doing this because I was mainly looking forward to watching everyone's reactions. But <laughs> <laughs> let's make it clear. I'm aware that this is a terrible film. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make that clear. <laughs> I know the writing's horrible, the acting's horrible. Yes, in general, everything is horrible. But this has always been very near and dear to me. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of the first films I saw in secret as a kid. Yeah. Came on the telly, I turned, I put my headphones on, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, mum and dad are going to kill me if they catch me watching this. <laughs> I'm like, but I'm like, I was just like, what is this about? What's happening? And I'm still a little bit confused as to what's <laughs> happening. But it's, um, yeah, it's, a lot is happening. A lot is going on. Yes, the infamous pool scene is something I think is all burned into our skulls and it will remain that way. I'm, I'm sorry to say, guys, it's going <laughs> yep. to stay in there. Oh, yep. I think I heard someone say it was like a, a fish, <laughs> you know, <laughs> drowning. Yeah, just <laughs> trying to survive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll get as we you know go further into about the film and everything. I'm I'm more than excited to discuss <laughs> this further with everyone. But um yeah, all in all, terrible film. But 
near and dear to me. <laughs> <laughs> so conflicted. I know. So but I get it. But that's like the yeah. film, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Innocent Fulia. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, are we all still friends? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep, yeah, okay. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> I feel like if Carson on the line. I feel like if Carson and I defend this movie too much, I fully is losing two friends. <laughs> we will rebuild. We will rebuild. We we shall overcome. <laughs> this too shall pass. Yes, it shall. Fulia, your impressions of this masterpiece. What the hell did we just watch? <laughs> I knew we were coming into something pretty terrible. I didn't realise how terrible it was gonna be. And I think I just wasted whatever amount of time that movie was of my life that I'll never get back. Mm. <laughs> it was two glorious hours and mm. 11 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Too long, to be mm. honest. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just... There were so many things happening, as Kirsten said, but none of it came, like, none of it came to a resolve. Mm. There was nothing in that movie that resolved itself apart mm. from the fact that there were jealousy... There was, you know, a lot of sexual tension and just overall confusion. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, I remember when Showgirls was first being released. Um, yeah, so I was a teenager when this movie came out. And I remember being obsessed with Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> it was my go-to program. This was when Entertainment Tonight was actually good. Yeah. And... Yeah. I remember this big discussion about this movie called Showgirls and this big deal about NC-17. And I had no idea what that meant because it's not the classification we have in Australia. Mm. And yeah, and it was just, I remember the hype about this film. And I remember then hearing that it was really bad. But I remember that everyone still wanted to watch it, (laughs) especially because I was a teenager (laughs) <laughs> I was surrounded by teenagers and all the teenage boys really wanted to see this movie. So I, I remember, yeah, I remember it. And I think I even remember seeing footage of, you know, celebrities going to the premiere and stuff like that of it, which obviously they're all going to say really nice things about it yeah. because the camera is on them. So I do remember like this movie quite fondly from the time that it was released mm-hmm. the hype surrounding it and the massive fall also because I was a huge fan of Saved by the Bell as well yeah. mm-hmm. so I knew of Elizabeth Brokely and really liked her character mm-hmm. so experiencing the movie for the first time I remember not minding it like I could see that it was kind of bad um, but I do have to say the more I watch it whenever I revisit it I do get more out of it mm-hmm. and this is the third time I've seen Showgirls and I have to say I enjoyed it a lot more than the last yes. two times. Wow. Yeah. And I think it also does depend on the lens that you watch this movie with. Mm. So the thing is, it's always promoted as this erotic drama, but it is incredibly over the top. So some people go, well, it was always intended to be like a black comedy, to be more of a satire, or, you know, it was always intended to be something else, not to be taken so seriously. I'm not too sure about that in terms of the filmmaker's (laughs) intentions, because there is a scene towards the end involving the beautiful character of Molly that I think doesn't fit in that, you know, sort of satire mould. I... 100% believe that the filmmakers here were making a cynical critique of Las Vegas, Mm -hmm. of this pursuit of capitalism, of, you know, exchanging sex for money. Like I, because I think it's, it's there. The Mm. characters are 
intentionally ugly for a reason. And I mm. don't mean aesthetically, I mean their personalities. So I, I do buy that. I do also think, though, because this is a European filmmaker targeting an American audience, mm. something gets lost there. Yes. And um, so for those who are aware of Paul Verhoeven's work, there's always this sort of dark humor and this critique of you know capitalism and 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 the modern world really um you know if you've seen robocop if you've seen starship troopers you can see the humor that he's actually put in here Mm. but i don't always know if it translates as well and it could just be because again american audiences are a lot more conservative than european audiences so an american audience may have been more fixated on some of the more scandalous elements and not try to read between the lines he has intentionally gone for hyperbole and that needs to be marketed because your audience is expecting one thing mm. and you're delivering something else. Mm. Now, whether it works as a hyperbolic movie, again, I'm not too sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I think going into it, knowing that it's not this hard biting, you know, drama type thing, knowing the silliness around it and, and, and the critique that it wants to tell. Um, you know, for most of the time I had, when I wasn't cringing, I had a smile on my face. I was smirking <laughs> yeah. at the over-the-top performances because he would always tell Elizabeth Berkeley, more, go higher, go higher, go higher. Um, she cops a lot of flack for this, or did at the time. We'll talk about her a bit more later. I think out of everyone, she came off the most tarnished and hurt by it. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, she's acting how she's told to act. Mm, she's yeah. dancing how she's told to dance. She's wearing what she's told to wear. Mm. Um, but as the face of the film, she would cop that. Yes. I don't think anyone communicated properly to each other in this film. You don't think? I don't think. It just feels that way. Knowing that it was the... um, So it's the writer who brought us Starship Troopers or director? Director. Director. That makes a little bit more sense. So for me, I've actually got a um, a bit of a guilty pleasure for Starship Troopers. Oh, I'm the same. I love that movie. And I also feel that movie is a movie that a lot of people don't actually understand what the meaning behind it is. Mm. So it it is. A lot of people think that it's a pro-war movie. It's a, you know, pro... No, it's actually um, Mm -hmm. anti-fascist, etc. But that makes a little bit more sense knowing that... And seeing the over-the-top mm-hmm. reactions. The problem is, the rest of the show, the visuals, mm-hmm. the even the, the acting around it doesn't match the main actor's work. So you feel like that there's a disconnect between writer very, and director? Very, strongly. And that's really surprising because you know, they'd worked together on Basic Instinct, which mm. no one thought would work and became huge. Mm-hmm. Um, along with Batman Returns, the biggest yeah. movie of 1992. Mm. So the story of Showgirls sort of follows the template of all about Eve if anyone has seen that movie mm. but it is about an ambitious young girl who sort of takes over the stalwart of the industry and you know will um, do anything to get to the top in, in all about Eve you know it's a, it's a different medium but you see I didn't get that to a degree I, I don't one of the, the, the reasons that this annoyed me so much is because nothing was earned mm. straight off the bat you have this character who's just angry. Mm. And, and uh, okay, let, let's take away for a second that oh, she was given the direction to mm. more, more, more. Let's take it at face value of the, the characters, mm. not even the actors, the characters. This character, as soon as someone says something that is slightly mm-hmm. critique, 
She's angry, like violently angry. It doesn't yeah. take long for that knife to come out. It does not take long for that knife to come out. And at the very start, to be honest, when the knife comes out, you go, okay, cool, she's she's uh, street smart, mm. she's savvy, that's what it's trying to show. But then they erase that very quickly with the whole, you know, not knowing about stripping, I'm not a whore, I'm mm. not this or that. It's like, I'm sorry, if you're that street smart, you know you're being viewed as a whore. Yeah, I don't... You, yeah. I don't buy that you have this no. disconnect. I was, was just going to say, yeah. Well, is it more that she is pushing back from the idea of being labelled a whore because she was a prostitute before arriving yes. in and, Las Vegas? And this is the problem. I think that information... I understand mm. storytelling and I understand, you know, oh, oh, we're going to bring this in at the end to sort of... Re- it's needed to, that needed to be in a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. That to me should not have been a Darth Vader's Luke's father moment. It yeah, should yeah. have been earlier so that we can so so that we can connect to the character stronger. Yeah. I'm not saying everything needs to be spoon fed, but this movie already had too many ideas going into it. Yep. It doesn't know what movie it wants to be. Mm-hmm. And that is shown, I think, very strongly in that uh, uh, scene with Molly at the end mm. where the whole thing up until that has been this sort of I'm going to fight the system I'm going to yeah. I'm going to survive where others didn't and then you have this very dark twist mm. and then the, it doesn't know what movie it wants to be it doesn't know if it wants to be a porno yep. it doesn't know yep. if it wants to be a melodrama, uh, melodrama mm. a, a serious piece a dark comedy it has no clue yeah, well, in terms of story, it absolutely had high expectations. So, Joe Esterhaus was the one who wrote this film, and as I said earlier, he was given an advance of $2 million to write the script for Showgirls after he'd written the idea for the film on a napkin. <laughs> and then he received an additional $1.7 million once the film was actually produced. So, if we couple what he got paid for Showgirls with what he got paid for Basic Instinct and a movie called Sliver, released in 1993. He became Hollywood's highest paid writer. Mm. So definitely, in terms of the story, Mm. there are a lot of expectations here. Mm. Kendall, your overall thoughts on the story? Oh, God. Yeah, I I kind of echo Phil's sentiments Mm. a little bit. I feel like the the movie's focus is very split because Mm. there's all these different characters that are coming in and out of Nomi's world and, and, you know... I just, I don't fully, like, I don't think the the story does a good enough job of really kind of characterizing Nomi as this person who's supposed to have a dark past because then it's exactly what you just said. The, you know, the knife wielding in the, that's a great opening Mm. image. Like it sets the tone really nicely, Mm. but then as soon as she gets to Vegas, you know, and she's under Molly's wing, which I, I love, but then she just she doesn't feel like a woman pretending to be sweet and innocent. She feels like she is sweet and innocent. Mm. And I feel like, it should be the other way around. Yeah, and I just, I don't know. It just, there's just a lot, a lot of, lot of issues going on in terms of, you know, because just, I don't know. It just, it just, it just, I don't know. It's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I'm all over the place because yeah. of it. said it all, Kendall. Yeah. It's like it's trying to also be this realistic piece. Mm. So what really drove me with that is the fact that they've got all these storylines that don't go anywhere, like mm. real life. 
Like, they have the um, dancer, poten- potential boyfriend dancer, mm. but his storyline literally goes nowhere. You could cut all that out, yeah. and it would not affect the show no. one hour. So and you mean James, right? James, James yeah. yeah. Now... Do you think, though? I honestly... Th- so this is what I think the point of James is. Because you're right, you could cut him out, and I don't think it would really no. impact. No. I don't think his scenes make that much of an impact at all. Mm. No. But I think his purpose is to show that, you know, this line, this profession, entertainment, the arts, you know, it will not be for everybody. You know, he gets one of the girls pregnant, he gets booed uh, off stage doing his, his pet project, his love, and then he decides to call it a day. So it kind of, I guess, shows maybe that the road to fame you know, to achieve it, you need to be maybe as tough as Nomi is. Poss- That's just a theory. Yeah. Well, no, no, very possibly. But again, they haven't earned that. No. We don't see enough of him... Of his struggle. Of his struggle. Yeah. It's like they've thrown that in over... The- if, if that is the case, then it's been sort of put over the top as a slight layer of, yeah. oh, shit, we better do something with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. because, I mean, yeah, you do have this all about Eve storyline going on, and but the film... Just it excels probably the best when it focuses on that mm. stuff, like the you know the kind of love triangle, quote unquote, between you know Zach and Crystal and Nomi is is really interesting and could have been handled a lot better anyway. But then to have James thrown in there, I think because he comes off at first as this like you know they try and play him like a two faced character when there are already so many two faced characters in there. Yeah. So if they'd not played him that way, then maybe the mm. storyline with him and you know I like you know, what you said, Wayne, about how he's kind of representing what, you know, the failures of show business mm. and how, how everyone's cut out for it. I feel like they kind of, he feels like two different people. And then I also don't buy why Naomi keeps going. Like their relationship's very yes. strange and I don't think it's very well written. Mm. And, it's inconsistent. And I would uh, bring that out to a lot of the other characters too. Mm. The fact that she... Like I said earlier, she gets angry at the drop of a hat. Mm. Now, there are so many characters where it should have been. This is where this conflict between reality and melodrama comes in, because in reality, it would have just been, okay, whatever, yeah, drop you, and she stays as a stripper the whole time. But the melodrama side of things makes it to want that these characters want to be, oh, she's feisty, I want more of her. <laughs> then you have these fights between the lead actress, Crystal, and Nomi, and it's, they're trying to do this, will they, won't they, love, hate. Mm. But again, it's not earned because it's opened with, hey, I want you to meet my friend. I like your nails. Mm. Oh, you're a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and that should, that should, in reality, equal a, okay, whatever, fuck you. Yeah. And then maybe if she came in and tried to audition, there'd be that fight there. But no, it's this, ooh, ooh, you told me to fuck myself, so I'm going to go, I'm going to be intrigued by you. And it's not earned. Well, I think that the way that this story is structured is definitely based around the relationships that Nomi has with all these different characters. So, like, you know, how you've said that there's her relationship with Zach, there's her relationship with Crystal, with James, with Molly. They're sort of like the key relationships there. Kirsten, did any of these storyline threads, you know, pay off for you or work for you? Look, I feel like, you know, I totally agree with what you guys are saying in regards to things not feeling like they are joining together very well. Like there's some, there's so many moments where Naomi will have this 
you know, total blowout with mm. one person and then walk away and then have like a mini scene and then go back to that same person mm. as if nothing happened mm -hmm. and they're having either a sweet moment or there's a, you know, a sexual moment that's happening mm. and then right near it, you know, drop of a hat, then they're angry again. It's so, it goes so up and down. So you don't, you never really quite know where, mm -hmm. where whether you're coming or going mm -hmm. with it. But I think a, one of the biggest things with this film, it's not so much about the story. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. But I think I think for a lot of people it's very much a visual film. Mm. Yeah, like it's all showgirls yeah. and it's like it's meant to be like, you know, look at all these beautiful people. You know, they're you know, but they're you know, crazy and wild and sexy and angry and all this like it's just all very a lot happening. So, you know, like you know, I was telling these guys earlier, if you turn the movie on mute, <laughs> a lot of people would have gotten a lot more out of it. I think a lot of people would have said you know, like it's just it's yeah, just the story. It's yes. I, as someone who loves this film, I'm I'm well aware that there's not much of a storyline going on. <laughs> but I understand like there is that whole thing of they're trying to talk about how being in show business mm. is a cutthroat dog eat dog world, and I think they really wanted to hammer that home, and I think they did that. Yeah, yeah. And Kirsten, mm. you also raised a really good point about the visual here, about mm. how like glitzy and glamorous it is. Mm. Mm. So. I wonder if one of the main points here is that, and you can put this really down to show business and Hollywood and, you know, the Hollywood machine as well as Vegas. It's glitzy, it's glamorous, it's the fairy tale, it's magical, it's beautiful, but really it is ugly, it is seedy, everyone is like a whore for the dollar. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like that juxtaposition. Mm -hmm. I mean, did you... Did you sort of get anything like that out of it? Did you go, okay, well, look, they all look beautiful. But, man, these people are just ugly. Like, no personality whatsoever. Yeah, like, to be honest, none of them appealed to me in terms of their personality. They all were, like, they're out for themselves, essentially. Mm. It's making, you know, yeah. making sure that they win in their life, in their career. And so it just... For me, looking at all these people when they're backstage getting ready for their shows, mm. they're at each other's throats. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. And, you know, and then the amount of catfighting that happens. And then it happens out on stage while they're performing, which is, like, <laughs> blasphemous. Why <laughs> do that while you're performing? But so much fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Bring out the popcorn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just... I was eye rolling throughout that whole mm. time. Like, it was... Only that time. <laughs> <laughs> I was eye rolling for the whole movie, but more specifically. Not very dizzy. Yeah. <laughs> even with that, it didn't go far enough. Yeah. There was too many. They were trying to make Nomi look good. They were trying to make her the good guy for a lot of it and, and to justify things. You know, uh, Crystal deserved to be pushed because she's been playing these games and mm. she's horrible. Whereas, uh, I, they almost needed to go in heavier on the... This, this person, Nomi should have been extremely street savvy. Never lost her luggage in the start. <laughs> she should have been shown as extremely street savvy, knows what she wants, and been the ultimate bitch to rise the ladder. Mm. But that ugliness slowly revealing itself so that by the time she's at the top, 
Nobody wants to be her. So it's kind of like Vegas has made her a bitch. Yeah. Or this yeah. angry, hateful person. Yeah. She didn't yeah. sort of start out this way. That's yeah. Yeah, I get, yeah, I get like that. that. Yeah. 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 Um, the more she, she, the or more she devoured if, her. Type yeah. Thing. Or even if she started off cutthroat, mm. it's like, okay, cool. This is the sort of personality that, that makes it in this world. But again, the more that's revealed, the higher she gets, the more is revealed, the more it's shown that hey, this is actually an ugly, disgusting place. She doesn't want to be there anymore, mm. maybe. But she, she, there's no out because... Yeah. Uh, and I know that might come off a bit cliche, but at this point, this show needed a cliche. I was going to say, I think there's <laughs> yeah. enough cliche in this movie. Yeah. 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 But it, it needed that structure because, to be honest, for me, the only ugliness started was shown in the last maybe 10 minutes, which again... Yeah, reckon so. Oh, no, there, there was ugliness before it, yeah. but... The real... The excessive. Yeah, the excessive, this isn't the life she really chose mm. and this isn't what she wanted, really came out in the last 10 minutes. Mm. But even then you have things like, you know, she... There's all these little redemptions which, to me, spoiled that idea of this is an ugly thing. Like the fact that, you know, her friend gets raped, mm. but then she goes and kicks the shit out of the, the, the rapist because nothing else is going to be done. Yeah. But... That's still seen as almost a, it's almost a Kill Bill uh, uh, heroic sort of action. Mm. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I, I'm on Nomi's side. No, no, you're definitely <laughs> you know, on Nomi's just, side, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. That ruins that mm. idea of how ugly this... Yeah. It, yeah. it still keeps that little bit of... This actually, that scene actually reminded me very strongly of Coffee. Mm-hmm. That, that sort of idea of, you know, you've got this person who's down, maybe down and out or, or in a situation they don't want to be in, but taking it into their own hands, mm-hmm. which to me ruins that idea of this helplessness or this, mm-hmm. this yeah. you know, and if that's what you're trying to show, stop showing me how you get out of that. Yeah, I think that's the big problem with the with Nomi's story is the fact that the writers and, you know, Paul Verhoeven, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too in a certain way. Like, they're they're doing... Like, there's a film, there's a version of this film where it is... She is, you know, the lovely, innocent, you know, maybe a little street smart, but, like, you know, she gets, you know, chewed up and spit out by Vegas, like, story, like, where, you know, she, like... And there's parts of that in this film. But then there's also a version of this film where she is just that tough-as-nails criminal. Mm. And they play that throughout. And then, you know, certain things make her realise that this is not the place to be. So there's just... The fact that the film tries to do kind of both of those things just tonally doesn't work. And for me, like, as much as I'm on Nomi's side, I think, like, just enough, Mm. (laughs) I should be on her side a lot more. Yeah. She doesn't... For me, she just doesn't work as a traditional heroine because of how muddled her story and her Mm. motivations are. Yeah. And the fact that she leaves at the end where it's just like, oh, so you could get out of this just by hitchhiking your way out of town. And it's like... Well, I guess it's because she knew that that was when she knew that she couldn't win in Vegas, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, she, you know, did the gamble pay off yes it did and now she's on to bigger and better things it's suggested that she's moving to LA to maybe pursue a movie career or something like that but you know that the whole incident with Molly you know tells her that she's in this position where there isn't any justice Mm -hmm. at all you know I I guess maybe that that's where they're sort of going but uh, Kirsten what were your overall thoughts of Nomi and Elizabeth Barkley yeah I mean yes I watched a bit of Saved by the Bell last Mm -hmm. night just to get in the the zone (laughs) and all I can say is I'm so excited I'm so excited 
every time I hear that song, I think of yeah. that. Every time. <laughs> I just, yeah, look, I feel, I really feel for her because I feel like she does have something. She does, mm. she does have some good acting chops. However, in this film, that does not show that at no, all. Not at all. Um, she, I think, like I was saying earlier about it being a very visual film, there's something about how she looks and she's very intense mm. and just mm. like her eyes. I don't know why. I think that was a big selling point when mm. they were trying to show this movie out. They're going, oh, you got to, you got to see this girl. Like mm. it's, she's amazing. Like, you know, you know, body, face, just everything. That's what one of the biggest parts of selling this movie. Mm-hmm. Her as a character. Yeah. As you guys were saying, it's the whole thing with the story. It's very confusing as to whether or not we're meant to be on her side. Mm. Are we meant to, Follow, or we just thinking, oh, are we just along for the ride? You mm. know, like maybe we're just not meant to go. Okay, all these characters—they're not really any of them are really good people. I mean, apart from Molly, probably. Yeah, Molly's yeah. probably the only one with good intentions. Yep. Um, you know, she took Nomi in. Yeah, you know, she had she didn't have to. It was yeah. this crazy lady <laughs> aggressively <laughs> eating fries. You know, she not could have just said, "Thank all. you very much. Have a have a free meal. I'll see you later." But yeah. no, she ended up having you know. Became her roommate, so yeah, like it was very confusing as to how you felt about it. There was a couple of times when you felt, oh, you know, we'll just enjoy this, and you know, she's, you know, she's crazy, she's silly. We'll we'll just go, we'll just let's go with it, shall yeah. we? Let's just, yeah. it's a movie we shouldn't take too seriously. Let's get into it. But um, yeah, there was a lot of moments like I've watched it as I've said, I've watched it a few times now, and yeah. Like Wayne was saying, like there is a few things that you sort of you start to notice a few different things mm. you weren't noticing before, and yeah, there was a few moments when you just sort of like, oh my god, just what what was the point of that moment? <laughs> did that need to be said, or did like you know, yeah, with Nomi, it's just with the, yeah, there's a lot of moments that just felt inconsistent with what she, what her original plan was mm. in the beginning, and I think what they were trying to do is that she's this girl that wants to make it big, she wants to be a star. And she also wants to leave her past behind her. Yeah. And, and like, you know, she wanted to keep that a secret. And then, of course, it all comes out in the end and her true colours come out, even though she had let her true colours out mm. numerous times throughout the movie. Yeah. It just, it was, it was, it, like a lot of the film, it was very confusing. So, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Well, what were uh, your thoughts on Elizabeth Barkley, Nomi Malone, and that beautiful black Versace dress? <laughs> <laughs> Versace? Thank you. Man, that pissed me off. <laughs> but it was a Versace. <laughs> I, I may have walked past a, a Versace and said that out loud <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> and only the gay men around you got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, uh, I was not really a fan of Nomi Malone. Her character just was too, just too over the top. The, her, the, the way that she just reacted to, or, to everything that was said to her. And it just it was... All over the place, honestly. Just the her like Elizabeth Berkeley. I haven't really seen her in much, so I can't really you know compare her other works to this. But honestly, I didn't like. I didn't like it. I didn't like her, <laughs> didn't like her at all. No. no. So you weren't on the hero with her, the hero's journey. No. 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 And what about what about the leading man, Kyle McLaughlin as Zach? And like for me, he was interesting because. I didn't know whether he was good guy, bad guy. He sort of mm. kept flipping. I think there was 
there was something about him, about the character. Now, whether it's successful, <laughs> you know, whether it translates successfully, but I can see that there is this, you know, strong attempt at depth here. What mm. did you think about Kyle McLaughlin as Zach Foyer? Honestly, I kind of figured he was going to be a seedy character from the get-go. Mm. Like, especially the fact that he was sleeping with Crystal Connors. It just, like, I knew there was something about him where by the end of it, that he was going to be full of shit. Mm. So I was just like, no. Nah. No, not not having it. No. Phil, what did you think about the character he, of Zach? He always gets the bad guy roles. <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but he, I uh, yeah. Again, you're right. The, that sort of flip flopping, mm. sort of back and forth. Because again, I felt the thing with Nomi that some movies do this, and it, it bugs me, where it's like. She seemed to be able to hook up and sleep with whoever she wanted. But if someone else was going to do it, how dare you? <laughs> and she, and that sort of stuff pisses me off. Because again, it's just this... Unless it's there for the character. Unless it's very specifically you know, a character point. Then it just the hypocrisy pisses me off. Because I'm just like... You can't do that. <laughs> and there was a bit of that going on with this, where he was basically like, hey, this is showbiz, you know, I'll... You know, nobody's nobody's uh, uh, connected to anyone. Mm. Yeah. And then she's basically doing a, you know, oh, well, you're sleeping with Crystal still, and mm. you're, you're doing this, you're doing that, how dare you? And... Because because the entire show, you can't get a good grasp on what they're trying to tell you. You then can't tell whether he's a good guy, bad guy. Mm. Whether he's just whether he's part of the problem, or yeah. whether he's that's just how the industry is and deal with it. Yeah, you know, like like. I mean, I think you definitely feel that by the end of it, you've said it perfectly. Perfectly, I think he is a part of the problem. He's mm. a part of the system. Mm. And Nomi is just one of those players in the system who, because now she's headlining Goddess, mm. is, you know, is relevant to him just mm. for that moment mm. because Crystal isn't anymore. She's pretty much retired now, you know, mm. forced to retire. Mm. But Kendall, your thoughts on Kyle McLaughlin as Zach? Yeah, I, 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 I like Kyle McLaughlin. Um, and yeah, he did give a very good performance in this. I thought he was one of the one of the better ones mm. in the film. And I do, yeah, appreciate those attempts to kind of add this kind of complexity and depth to him because while it's so obvious that he's going to, you know, he's going to betray Nomi at some point because mm. that's he's that guy, you know. Mm. I really loved how they kind of played that uh, and the way they revealed that, like with that phone call being like, get back here you, you, you fuck yeah, up like, you, know, yeah. you fool or whatever he says you know like that was really clever and I kind of to, even towards the end when Nomi had made it and they were together quote unquote you know I still kind of got the sense that he he cares about Nomi mm-hmm. I think he cares mm-hmm. about Crystal he cares about these women and not for not entirely for selfish reason, reasons I think I think the movie does a good job and just kind of saying that's exactly what you both have just said he is part of the problem mm. And he's willing to accept that. Yeah. And Crystal's the same to a degree. Like, mm. I loved at the end, you know, the last scene with her and Nomi and how, like, you know, she fully is so aware that she was pushed down the stairs. Yeah. She didn't do anything about it. She's just accepted it. 
because I did it. And it's the way it is. It's the way it's it what is. what you have to do to and get I, to the top. And I love that because the movie so easily could have gone down the, you know, betrayed, jealousy, mm. vengeful way in that sense. But I think it kind of grounded itself in that moment of like, you know, these characters are fully aware of who they are, what they're doing, mm. and they're okay with it. And I think Kyle McLaughlin did a very good job. Yeah. What yeah. were your thoughts on him, Coaster? Um, well, I will mainly always think of him as Dr. Trey McDougall from Sex and the City. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know I agree, Kendall. I think that he did do the best performance. I think he probably had less um, um, direction compared to <laughs> um, yes, um, compared to Nomi. Um, I think he just he did play it quite naturally. It was just sort of like, yeah, this is my job. This is what I do. I date beautiful women. Yeah. I'm, you know, I I love this business. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was very, you know, it, it, the thing is, like, he was very much clear about who he was as a person, I feel. Yeah, mm-hmm. he never hid anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think really. that's, that's what, I think that's what made it kind of like, yeah, this is me, this is the business. Mm. And I think that made that character a bit more clear compared to Nomi, where you didn't quite know where or who she was. Yeah. Yes. But from the get-go, you kind of knew where Carl McLaughlin's character was going. So yeah. you just, I feel like, yeah, I think that felt a bit more a complete character yeah because Definitely. unlike mm. you know with Nomi they're really pushing the she's this mystery we don't know much about her mm. and let's learn about her as we go along but mm. you know I, I do agree with you Philip Hagen said for example we really don't even learn about her towards the very end yeah. um, and then in terms of getting on her side completely it's maybe a little too little too late mm-hmm. whereas Carmen McLaughlin's character Zach is he's just straight yeah. He's just transparent all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we can, even though for me, it was like good guy, bad guy, not too sure, mm. you not, you know, sort of flips back and forth, don't know, is mm. he conspiring with Crystal to use and manipulate Nomi mm. or, you know, like what's, what's his goal here? But I actually like that about him. Mm. Yeah. I think probably out of the characters, he's one of the more well-rounded and better. For sure. for sure. But look, I will be honest, Crystal Connors. One of the greatest villains ever, I think. And I love what Gina Gershon did with this role. Kirsten, your thoughts on Gina Gershon as Crystal? Look, the thing about this film is that it's so... It's... It is such. It's a very campy film. Mm. It is very. Like, there's a lot of quotable moments. Like I'm gonna drive Phil crazy for <laughs> I'm Just gonna go. I just love me some doggy chow. Like for some reason, <laughs> I don't know why, but just how she says it is just. It just speaks to me. I don't know why, yeah. but just every single line that she does, she just has this presence mm. about her, oh, and yeah. it's like maybe it is that bit of a mix. What I was saying about. Um, with Naomi's character, that was all. I think that's all very visual, more mm. of a visual thing. Whereas with Crystal, I think it's what she says and how she, you know how she, it's a bit of a mix of things, like visually and her lines are just mm. so iconic. And yeah, she just definitely has this presence. And you like, you know, that whole thing of men want to be with her, girls want to be her. It's yeah. like it's that whole like this is. You know, it's one of those things of, you know, you go to see a show and there's always that one character. You're like, oh my God, she's amazing. Like, I want to be that. And like, of course, when you get to know her, it's not exactly as squeaky clean or as, um, you can't really relate to her. But, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's definitely that Hollywood, you know, she's got that, there's that thing about her. Mm. She's the it factor. And she wins yeah. in the end. Yes. Essentially. Like, yeah. yes, she's out of the show. Yes, she's in hospital and she'll be recuperating for about a year they sort of say mm. but she wins yeah, you know she yeah. gets a settlement she's content with it she's yeah. been there she's done that yeah. she's not going to have any problems at all mm. Fulia did you think she earned it? 
Uh, <laughs> look, I she probably did in by the end of it because essentially she did say once she you know we see her in the hospital she's like. I need to rest, <laughs> which means she's been wanting out for a while, it seems, yeah. mm. uh, but she just couldn't find a way out. So this was her way of saying, great, this is, this is my chance to, to relax now. Yeah. yeah. And like, I, I don't, I mean, I don't like that. That is the reason why she's gotten out of it because in the end she is now in pain. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she can't have it too easy. She's not a, she's not a nice woman. But no, no, she, she definitely did seem very, um, very bitchy mm. and just very up herself. Uh, especially during the times where she's, you know, speaking to Nomi mm-hmm. um, and, and all that sort of thing. The moment we like the moment I, we see her snort for the first time, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, that, that's there. There it is. Yeah. That's that's the bad girl factor. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what I was expecting, um, and that's the sort of stuff that you do expect when it comes to Hollywood and 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 Las Vegas and all that sort of stuff. To be to be able to perform, you need stimulants apparently. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was just like, okay, but yeah, Crystal, the character of Crystal, like, I think she earned it by the end, but it like it took her a long time to get there. Look, Crystal is a showgirl through and through, <laughs> and just talking about her, you know, love of cocaine. I love that scene when she and Zach get out of the, <laughs> the car and um, she licks the excess cocaine from his yeah. nose. I just thought, yeah. you are a classy lady. <laughs> <laughs> That moment alone tells me everything I need to know about Crystal Connors. The dialogue is amazing. I love the way Gina Gershon performs her, though. Mm. I was like, if you're going to play this veteran showgirl Mm. ruthless bitch, that's the way you do it. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know, I just, everything about her was absolutely amazing. Philip, change my mind. Well, no, (laughs) no, because that's what I was saying earlier as well. That there are plenty of characters that are playing this straight and playing it strongly. She is one of the characters who's actually, she's believable. And if Nomi had been down to that, I said down in terms of the over the topness, brought down to that level Mm. and we got a more serious show, then this could have been really Mm. phenomenal. Yep. But this is partly the problem with the either bring everyone else up yeah. Or bring everyone else yeah. down. You yeah. need the levels to be the same. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like that Gina Goshen is probably one of the only performers here who knows what type of movie she should be in? Yes. yes. Perhaps. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. She played the the badass bitch really well. Mm. There are some writing issues. There are some dialogue issues in terms of. You know, all the same sort of crap that actors have to deal with. You know, this is the lines I've been given. (laughs) But outside of that, she, I think, is one of the stronger actual performers Mm -hmm. because she was able to turn those lines around and make them make sense. Yeah. Mm. Whereas, like, when, even though, you know, one of the critiques I've had is the fact that you have Nomi bitching and yelling at everyone <laughs> crystals crystal turning around going and, and yeah even the issue of crystal going hmm i want a bit of that she's feisty yeah she still played it in a way that made me go 
oh, she's thinking about that. Like the yeah. reaction she has, you can see the cogs turning and her going, huh, I can work with this. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with everyone else, it's so reactionary. It's so, yeah. just based off the last line you said, it's almost that Crusty the Clowns, what have you done for me recently? <laughs> with yeah. everyone else, you know. Yeah. Whereas Crystal, you can tell she's thinking about the scene three scenes ago how that relates to what's happening right now. So that is, I will admit she is a very strong character and actor within this. So props to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kendall, your thoughts? Yeah. Well, look, I didn't know Gina Gershon was in this, but when I saw her, I was like, (laughs) let's go. Um, I'm very aware of who she is. She's very fantastic and just has such a great presence. So I feel like she's probably one of the best cast characters Mm. in this film. Cause as you're saying, Phil, like she's crystal, is you know is the game she plays the game so well Mm -hmm. she knows how to move all the pieces around the board to her liking and uh, with her ending the way you know her story came to its conclusion i thought was perfect i fucking loved the way it ended with her because it just like i said before it's just it's not a cliched ending Mm. like she's you know, fully just accepted that, yeah, okay, I, you know, I'm out. Like, I love being Crystal Connors, you know. Mm. She loves being that person. And she even says, you know, I've, been, you know, I've never missed a show in eight years. Yeah. Right? And she's happy to do that, even mm. though internally she's probably, you know, really tired. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she, she seizes that opportunity and, and runs with it. And you said she still, she wins, she comes out on top. And the way Gina portrays that. The only criticism, it's not of her really, it's just... I love what's going on between um, Crystal and Nomi in this. Mm. Like, it's it's done really well, except for the fact that it's repetitive. Mm. I think that's the only mm. problem. The fact that they keep doing this cat kind of back, cat and mouse yes. is kind of back and forth. Like, you know, we're on the same team. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm actually playing you. We're not, you know, again and again and again. Like, you know, I'm getting whiplash here. But it's, <laughs> but it's, there's some potential there for a really yeah, great story. Like, yeah. if the movie had been more focused on this all about Eve aspect on, mm. on, on their relationship, whatever that may be, I think it would have come through a, a lot better and been better for it. Yeah. In the and, long run. and do you think it probably reflects Phil, what you were saying a bit earlier about Nomi that she should be more street smart mm. than uh, what she is. Cause she's presented that way that she's street smart, but yeah. she doesn't really live up to it mm. because crystal is just playing her she's Mm. you know she'll lead her along let her down embarrass her humiliate her um, essentially prostitute her out uh, you know and say you know go through this audition process and and then nomi will will storm off and you know all of you know it's like how you said it's repetitive it's rinse and repeat yeah yeah so that that dynamic is is quite interesting. Yeah. We've mentioned before that really the only, I think, really likable character mm-hmm. here is Molly, played by Gina Rivera, mm-hmm. and who is just lovely, like, all the way through. Yeah. And even when she's shunning Nomi a little bit, it's because Nomi did the wrong thing by mm-hmm. pushing Crystal down the stairs. It's like, you know, don't play that way. Yeah. So we've got the person who is trying to play the game, but playing it with a sense of integrity. Yes. And she loses in the end. She's punished Mm. for it. Mm -hmm. No. She's punished Mm. for accepting the rules that Nomi and Crystal, etc. have laid down. They've laid down. If you think about it, the entire time she is playing by her integral rules, her Mm. rules of, you know, no, that's wrong. Mm. The one moment where she turns around (laughs) and goes... 
You know what? I know full well you pushed her down the stairs, but I'm going to let that slide because of the game. Mm. She goes to a party and is assaulted. But isn't that, though, not necessarily the rules that Nomi and, and Crystal and everyone else have laid down, but that's just the rules of Vegas. She's like, oh, well, okay, you know, yes, yes. You know, like, so, yes, she does go to the party, but, you know, she's still never a bitchy or mean or anything. She's still, I guess she's kind of forgiven Nomi. But that's you know, it. Yeah. That's what I mean. And yeah, okay, uh, that's what I meant by the rules of Vegas. Yeah. yeah, so yes, the rules of Vegas. Yeah. The entire time before that, she's almost had herself some armour or a shield mm. by giving herself that integrity. And it's meant that she hasn't risen as far up as maybe she could. She wants to have her own seamstress company, mm. her own shop, her own everything. But she's, by the looks of things, being this seamstress for a, you know second-rate um, uh, showgirls show on Vegas for years now. The one time that she allows herself to go, no, I'm going to ignore an injustice mm. so that I can get a little something, i.e. meeting my hero, mm. she gets punished for that. She gets punished for playing the Vegas game. Do you think... I, I think yeah, anyway. do you think she only went to the party to see Andrew? Like, yes, that was a big incentive. She's a huge fan. But, I mean, surely her friendship with Nomi was important to her. But that... Yes. Yeah, yeah. But that still plays into it for me because yeah, she's yeah. forgiving... She's forgiving someone who has done something wrong. Yeah. Even though it's for friendship, yeah. it's still forgiving someone who has done something wrong and has been playing the Vegas game. Yeah, yeah. She's allowing herself to be drawn in by the Vegas game ever so slightly. And yes, it's for friendship, it's yeah. for seeing this, but at the end of the day, it's still, she's now taken that step over the line, yeah. taken off her armour, and... And I, don't get me wrong, I think it's horrible. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely I mean, uh, the oh, thing, yeah. and the thing is, and one could probably argue, because I think the uh, the attack on Molly is incredibly, you know, like it's aggressive. It's cut really well, because they don't show a lot, but it, mm. it's a one-two punch that's mm. really, yeah. like, quite gut-wrenching, actually. Mm. I'm not it's, being um, melodramatic um, in that regard. No, I think it's, no. I actually think it's really impactful. Yes. It's really yeah. impactful, and it's in the wrong movie. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, but I do wonder if that's the intent there, to really make us really like Molly and be like, you know, she she, she is the good girl. She's the mm. good person here. Mm. And you're right, you know, she's gone, well, I'm just going to go to this Vegas party because, let's be honest, it wouldn't be the first Vegas party she'd mm. been to. Like, she's yeah. been with these showgirls and helping them out and being the seamstress. Mm. She, she's up close and personal with them, you know, maybe seven, seven nights a week, right? Mm. So I don't think this is the first time that she's there. Mm. You know, we're at a party like that because it's always, of course, it's, you know, no one's victim blaming, but it's always, you know, the reflection on, on Andrew and his entourage and the Vegas system mm-hmm. you know when Zach is kind of like you know hey he's going to be performing in Vegas all these venues for who knows how many years yeah. he has to be protected because he brings in the money mm-hmm. and so Molly's in the sacrificial lamb mm-hmm. but um, yeah. yeah Kendall your overall thoughts on Gina Rivera's performance yeah I, I thought her performance was was very very good I really liked her like she's the only genuine, genuinely like likable mm. person in the film, and yeah, she feels very not of the Vegas world. Like, it's kind of nice that someone like her would come into it and be around this lifestyle as as deep and mm. as often as she is, and still kind of come out unscathed, like up to a certain point in the movie, obviously. But just you know, it didn't. She didn't let it change who she was, and yeah. I think that's probably part of why she gets 
you know, so, so frustrated and, and, and feels maybe betrayed in a sense by Nomi when, you know, things go the way they do. I also kind of might blame Nomi a little bit for, for what happened, you know, to, to, um, to Molly because, you know, Andrew comes on to Nomi first mm, mm. and then she just mm. steps aside and says, here's my friend. She's your biggest fan. Yeah. So she saw and that red flag. She yeah. did and mm. she didn't do anything about it. And mm. I mean, it's kind it's kind of a, you know, unless you're really paying attention, you might miss, miss that because then the film doesn't really swing back around no. to that. There's never any, like Nomi feels fucking awful, obviously. And yeah. she beats the living shit out of Andrew. And it's, it's, it's a good, you know, it's a good moment. You know, you're like, okay, good. Some justice is had, not the justice that is deserved, but it's some justice. Mm. And, but yeah, she, you never really see her feel like I'm partly responsible for that. And they could have maybe leaned in, into that, but, but yeah, I, yeah, Molly was just, you know, she's just so pure. I mean, I could never, Imagine someone meeting someone the way she does know me and not kicking her away, <laughs> not getting out as fast as she could. Like yeah. that yeah. whole, like I know, you know, Elizabeth Berkeley's been told to do over the top, mm-hmm. been told to exaggerate everything. And, and that's, you know, that's kind of shitty because I just, I don't buy yeah. the way their friendship starts it feels rushed and it feels out of place because of the way you know elizabeth has been told to play it and molly is just playing it in a like a completely different movie Mm. it's just strange but they have a lovely friendship and i like a lot of the sisterly bond moments that come throughout like the two of them work really well on screen together and molly is just you know every time i saw her i was like oh it's molly (laughs) she's just yeah she's just lovely so there's there's not a lot to really hate about her gina rivera did a great job yeah Yeah. uh, what were your thoughts yeah i agree look i feel like with whenever molly came in it was a bit of a moment for us to go (sighs) yeah (laughs) she's a calming presence yeah Yeah. everything is so heightened everything is so mad everything's so crazy and when Molly comes in she sort of brings she, she she's probably the only one that brings Nomi down a little bit yeah. and just sort of yeah. goes okay let, let, let's chill she mm. literally you know drags it off the yeah. street and goes okay well, let's calm down let's have a meal and let's relax you know yeah. so yeah she did really I think she did a really great job she really you know because of the fact that yeah everything is so heightened as I said it was it was good to have that in Molly to sort of go you know, there is good. Yeah. There is good in people. And, you know, it's, I suppose it's that way in all, in all industries. Mm. Like there is, you know, there is, there can be a lot of ugly, but there is some good in there somewhere. Mm. And I think they, you know, she really did a good job in showing the good in people. And all she wanted to do was to be a seamstress. That's, that was, you know, that was her passion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, it happened to be in, in that, um, in the Las Vegas showgirls world, but that, you know, you could tell that that's what she was passionate about. And at the end of the day, she wanted to be a good friend to Nomi and things. And like how Wayne was saying, like, you know, she showed up at the party. I really do feel she really went there to be there for Nomi. Mm. Yeah. Like as much as like, oh, yeah, it was a bonus for that Andrew, her idol was there, but I think she was angry with her. And I think she was still mad at what Nomi had done, but I think it was very much of like, look, sucks what you did i don't think i'm ever going to really be okay with that but i'm here for you you know Mm. i think that's i kind of felt that was that little you know small gesture moment it's a peace offering isn't it it's like this is how i forgive you and you know yeah Yeah. because it's something that obviously nomi knows that uh molly would enjoy because you know because it's it's a party Mm. and andrew's there so it's kind of like you know hey everybody wins yeah until they don't yeah like but yeah Yeah. but the intention is Mm. is there yeah yeah. Julia, what were your thoughts on Molly? 
I agree with everybody. Um, Molly was definitely a likable character. She's she was definitely the one that brought everybody down to a chill mood. Mm. Um, and and she was yeah, like she was definitely out there trying to progress her career to become you know the best seamstress ever, and you know to open up the shop that she that she's always wanted. So definitely a likable character. Gina Rivera definitely did a good job playing her. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. I think, yeah, she's a wonderful screen presence. Mm. A lot of interesting screen presences <laughs> in, in this movie. A bit of trivia. Let's recast some of those key roles just a little bit. Oh, let's go. So for Nomi, we had uh, a few well-known people being mm. offered the role or, yeah. you know, sort of considered for the role. We had Pamela Anderson. Oh, wow. Of course. Of course. Drew Barrymore. Ooh. Oh, wow. Angelina Jolie. Ooh, okay. Jenny McCarthy. Denise Richards and Charlize Theron. Wow. Yeah, we're all all considered, but they all turned it down. And Elizabeth Oakley lobbied hard for the role and had to go through five audition processes to finally get it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so after the movie came out and most of the criticism was on her, her agent dropped her and she struggled to find work afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you can see, you can sort of see why, like, oh, yeah, yeah. no one's going to want to sort of, like, you know, touch you now type thing. I do like that in today's day and age, it's still not perfect, but people are a lot more aware and critical of directors and writers. Yeah. Now. It's sort of a double-edged thing because back in the day, you know, writers never got credit no. and they never, now that they are, they've got to take the good with the bad. Yeah. But I'm preferring that now because it's a big thing within Doctor Who at the moment as an mm. example where a lot of people are turning around and saying, okay, Matt Smith as an example. They'll say, okay, Matt Smith actually isn't a bad actor. He was just given a bad showrunner. Right. And whereas I think back in the 90s, 80s, 90s, etc., you wouldn't have heard that. You would have gone, no, 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 Matt Smith, terrible actor. Yeah. It's all his fault, like you got yeah. here. Yeah, and also it's because, you know, you've had the, the director and the writer, they've done big things, mm-hmm. we've got the highest paid writer in Hollywood mm. ever, <laughs> we've got a director who's made huge films and mm. people respond really well, um, here's this girl from a TV show that was, yeah, it was popular but it's been cancelled now, she's acting over the top, she's uh, on mm. all the posters, mm. we're, you know, we're fixated on her body, mm. and so it's easy to sort of just dismiss her, mm. you know, so it's unfortunate, and it's mm. been, you know, over 20 years and it's only in the last, you know, five or six years, really, that this movie has been appreciated mm. because of the reevaluations. But we'll talk about that a bit later. A bit more recasting. So if we think about Crystal Connor as the wonderful Gina <laughs> Gershon, Madonna. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, I'm sorry, but I just have to say no. <laughs> That's immediately what comes in my head. Sorry, yes. Karen. Madonna, Aka, mm. box office poison. <laughs> Sharon Stone, Sean Young, and Daryl Hannah as well. Okay. I think they really cast Crystal. Yeah, right, yeah they couldn't mm. do absolutely. Better, I think yeah. they yeah. absolutely cast her right. Mm-hmm. Um, also in the role of Zach, Dylan McDermott was the first choice. Oh. A fantastic actor, but yeah. uh, he turned it down and I am sure does not regret it mm. <laughs> at all. Yeah. In terms of Kyle McLaughlin, um, there was always talk that he walked out of the premiere of this movie and he has this um. wonderful quote that says, it was like, no, I sat there and suffered for the whole two. <laughs> which I absolutely <laughs> adored. 
<laughs> I don't think he's sort of taken it on the chin as much <laughs> as other people associated yes. with the film. Wow. I think it feels a little bit hard by it. But, uh, you know, Kirsten, you mentioned it was a visual film. It absolutely mm. is. We can watch it on mute. The mm-hmm. two key visual elements here, the dance performances and the costumes. Just general thoughts on those Or little visuals. costumes. Or little costumes. Yeah, any thoughts of that? Did we, you know, what was the look of this film like for you all? I mean, it, it's a product of its time in the 90s, right? Very much. Yeah, yeah very much. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, the, a lot of it is just very gratuitous very Mm. just kind of excessive like i don't mind some of the costuming i just i feel like i never need to see another pair of breasts in my life (laughs) (laughs) like i've seen all of them yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) like it's so it's just i became by the end i was like oh tits sure um like it just didn't you know so it's just a bit yeah so that's just a bit like very much like overdone Mm. i think Mm. but i do appreciate like the staging the set design in certain points like i Mm. I, you know and some of the choreography is good some of it's not so good (laughs) especially when they're trying to sell nomi as this Mm -hmm. great dancer she's the next big thing oh he's first there on the dance floor (laughs) what what was that what was that but the thing is right yes i know that she's the star and we're looking at her Mm. but she, it's not like she's blending in at all. Like everyone no. on the dance floor has this t- style of dance. Yes. Yeah. And then she's just sort she's of doing her own thing. Mm. Yeah. Arms, legs, head just going yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and I get it. It's kind of like, okay, that's supposed to make you stand out. And that's why James has noticed you and wants mm. to, you know, get your attention. But I'm just kind of like, mm. I get Yeah. yeah. I, guess, I, don't, I don't buy, I don't buy that No, I didn't buy it either. Because it's just like, because I get, I like the idea of James being this person of like, you know, oh, you've got, you've got talent. Mm. I want to use it. Let's work together. Mm. Like this kind of stuff. I mean, it comes across a bit sleazy. Over, but <laughs> it's Vegas, baby. Mm. But yeah, it's just weird that like they have gone out of their way almost to just have, I mean, yeah, I guess they wanted to stand out. That makes sense. But she's got kind of not a lot of rhythm. She's just kind of flailing around mm. and it just doesn't track with what they're trying to sell yeah. with what James is trying mm. to do. And then on top of that, I honest to goodness, and this might be controversial, feel that the when she was working at the Cheetah, mm. the stripping, the strip pole dancing, etc., etc., was better quality than that of the Stardust. Right, yeah. And the actual choreographed uh, performances. And I don't know whether that was intentional. I don't know whether that's just something I felt. (laughs) And I don't know whether or not that was there to sort of show that, you know, these these, uh, Vegas shows are these choreographed sort Mm. of mediocre pieces. You know, the Diamond doesn't write down the fucking runway. But it didn't... The way they were selling it, I was expecting a Broadway sort of like really choreographed, really peak performance artists, and yeah. it was all just sort of flailing and you know angry. What? And you know what? I didn't mind sort of like the last main piece, sort of the biker one, which mm. has got that black bob. Yeah, on. like yeah. I actually thought that that one yeah. was kind of I like the story they were telling with that. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, I think out of those ones mm. were the ones that I kind of liked the most out of the Stardust mm. sequences. I'll also say, though, that when James talked about sex not being like dancing, mm. 
the way that she has sex in the pool. <laughs> I can't agree with what he says. <laughs> yeah, Julia, what were your thoughts about like the the dance numbers and some of the costumes there? Look, the the dancing at the Stardust was actually pretty good. Mm. I actually enjoyed those sort of sequences with the with all the different costuming and all that sort of stuff. I don't have a particular favorite to be mm. honest, but. I think for a Vegas show, it looked pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not particularly a fan of, like, the the strip dancing side of things. Right. I was just like, nah, we can skip this bit. And were you a fan of, of Henrietta's dress, that sort of exposed horror in the sort of, like, peekaboo thing? <laughs> oh, oh. No. Kendall, you were fond of it. Oh. <laughs> just... I'm all for a plus size lady living her best life, and yes. she she is, and oh, I love yeah. that. But the sound effect is the only thing in there <laughs> needs to go, yeah. must go. And why did we have a sentimental moment with those two? <laughs> they come to the starlight. The, the, her old boss and and Mama and Mama yeah. come to the starlight to have a sentimental moment. Now I accept Mama coming to the yeah. starlight, having a bit of a moment. Maybe her and maybe one of the other strippers and uh, yeah. mates there. But the boss was just yeah. a fucking moron. Yeah. Al. So we, oh. yeah, because he treated her like shit the whole time yeah. she was, yeah. you know, at Cheetahs. But yeah. then it was kind of like, you, you know, you did good kid. Yeah. You've done well, kid. It's like, and it, what, what's it like not having someone come on you? Yeah. <laughs> it must be weird. Do you know what, though? It's kind of, it's just, it's almost like it's, I know, and you know, I know, genuinely believe that that line is supposed to be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the way that Robert Davey delivers it, though, because yes. it is like a very, it's like he read it off a Hallmark card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the look yeah. on his face, the sincerity exactly. in his voice. It's fucking gold. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, sell, he sells it, he does well. That was amazing. So. Obviously, the film itself suffered a lot back in the day, right? <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> it is an award winner. It's an award-winning film. So, it won... Razzie? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, back then, in 1995... It won a record seven Golden Raspberry Awards. Yeah. So that record since been broken, but back then it was a big deal. And it had received... 13 nominations that record still actually stands like, oh, in terms wow. of nominations <laughs> so how did we go it won worst picture worst director worst actress worst screenplay worst screen couple and officially that's any combination of two people or two body parts <laughs> and it also won worst new star worst original song for walk in the wind wouldn't you have it? Sorry, worst or, or, or couple combination of people or body parts. Yeah, I just love the idea that this got the worst couple because of someone's tits. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of tits, and like, no, they're terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Carl McLaughlin also got nominated for worst actor. Robert Davy for worst supporting actor, <sighs> as well. It was also nominated for worst prequel or sequel or remake because it's taken off that all about Eve template. Oh, so sure. it's, I think they just really wanted to throw awards think, at this yeah, like that sort of, that's sort of uh, fishing a bit. It got revisited by the Golden Raspberry Awards in 1999 and it won worst picture of the decade. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yep. um, Elizabeth Berkeley got two further nominations 
for worst actress of the century and worst <gasps> new star of the decade. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Of the century. And because the Golden Raspberry Awards just don't know when to quit, they revisited in 2004 and the uh, film was nominated for the worst drama of our first 25 years. So, yes, yeah, so it's <laughs> got, got a lot of attention. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, now it's been reassessed and kind of revered mm. as well. Uh, a lot of people do look at it as a genuine satire and critique of Las Vegas and the entertainment industry. Mm. Um, it has the midnight screenings and it has a <laughs> huge cult following. Yeah. One of the film's biggest fans and supporters, pretty much always, no surprises, Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, Who loves the film and was always open about how much he loved the movie. And it's just a really expensive exploitation movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're a connoisseur of exploitation movies, you see the elements there. It's probably why I enjoy this film more than um, a lot of us here at the (laughs) (laughs) table. You know, so it's either a failed drama or or, um, an intentional satire. I guess it just depends on, on how you want to look at it. In 2011, we got an unofficial sequel. So there was always an intention, I believe it was always intentioned, to make a sequel, and that was to follow Nomi to Los Angeles. Oh. Okay. We don't follow Nomi, though. We follow Penny. We remember Penny, who's sort of the, the new girl, and she's the one who ends up sleeping with James yes. as well. Yes. Right. So, she, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Poor Penny. <laughs> Nobody wants to have sex with Penny. It's hope. So uh, Rena Ruffell played her. So she reprised the role in Showgirls 2, Pennies from Heaven. <laughs> yep. Settle down, Phil. Um, <laughs> she wrote, directed, produced, and starred in it as well. It was wow. direct, It was released, directed video. Apparently it's a remake of Showgirls. I've not seen it, but based on everyone's sentiments here, we all will at some stage. <laughs> no. No. Fully and I are busy. Next spectacular. Yes. Well, I'll see if I can source that one for you all. I'm still stuck on worst actress of the century. Yeah. That is a call. Well, yeah. Well, I believe I she... mean, that century included Birth <laughs> of a Nation. I mean, that is a hell of a call to yeah, make. Yeah, and Triumph of the Will. And Triumph of the Will. Oh, that is a hell of a call to make. I don't think Elizabeth deserved that nomination. No. 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 At all. But, you know, they're, they're on this momentum, right? They're oh. on this momentum. Um, but, folks, we've now had the pleasure and some of us pain. <laughs> yes, Fulia, Philip, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Our final thoughts and a score out of five on Showgirls, Fulia. So bad, it's good. We're just downright bad. Oh my gosh, I never want to see this film ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Downright bad for me, to be honest. Just overall, I I couldn't enjoy it. There were little aspects of things that I did like, but overall, for me, it wasn't entertainment. It was just, I don't know what to call it. Mm. One. One out of five. Okay. Probably the best that I'll give it. And fully, this is our third craptacular special, so we're comparing it to the room and cats. Where does this one sit? <laughs> oh, 
somewhere below the room, but not as bad as the hat. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Kirsten, your thoughts? Uh, look, I love this movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. This is one of my guilty pleasures. <laughs> I know everyone's squirming in their seats. <laughs> I'm sorry, but there's just something about it, and I'm. You can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> so I'm going to give this. Three licking poles. <laughs> out of five. Three STDs out of five. <laughs> so, Kristen, you know, the best out of the craptacular is so far, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Kendall, curious yeah. on your thoughts. Yeah, oh my gosh. Um, look, to be honest, it's just really made me want to go watch Hustlers, which is mm-hmm. a much better version of this story um, based on true events that I highly recommend people watch. Um, story? Yeah, with an actual plot. Plus <laughs> 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 Um, Yeah, so, but, but that, that said, I, yeah, look, I'm just, it's just a shame that I feel, I really do feel like that there is a good movie hidden somewhere amongst all these plot threads and all these characters and all these great and not so great performances you know there's just there's just too much going on it's not cohesive enough the performances are inconsistent it didn't thread the needle did not thread the needle um i fucking love that line too it was great and elizabeth berkeley look i grew up watching saved by the bell and first wives club is also one of my favorite movies you know so she can act she can act she does have talent i want people to be aware of this it's just such a shame that the way things worked out she was with the director who wanted her to do excessive wanted her to exaggerate everything but she took that to the nth degree unfortunately mm. like they just were not compatible this the story is just not there it's not good enough it's not what it should be i do believe like they could have done they should have done either the gritty drama or the straight up satire because you know paul verhoeven fantastic director mm. there's a reason why he's had so much success mm. over the years and uh, you know i love starship troopers it's mm. so awesome and you know total recall as well like oh, yeah. just mm. brilliantly done mm. movies so the capability was there just just everything worked against it it fell short mm. so many of the actors are in different movies from each other in different <laughs> in the same scene <laughs> in different movies yeah but i am so glad that i've seen it and experienced it i don't regret the two hours and ten minutes of my life i'll never get back um but i am going to have to give it a one out of five unfortunately yeah. and Kendall, where does this fit with the other craptacular films we've seen i think the best yeah actually i i do think the best i don't yeah the room is the room and cats was well that's you know that's that's that was for a podcast and we won't go into it so. at least at least this one attempted to do something. Yeah. I'll give it that. I'll give it that. Philip, my friend. So, I definitely agree, Kendall and Kirsten, you were talking about how, you know, it had a... Kendall, you were talking about how it has a story that that's not explored, but it's, there's something there, potential. And, yes, it is very much something where you can see all the passion in it and the... the, the 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 desire for this story to be told the problem is that's not the story we were shown mm-hmm. yeah so for me i 
I can't find the the enjoy the camp within it. I can't enjoy the the lack of story. Kirsten, I am sorry, <laughs> but but also for you, I understand that it's something that you have that childhood connection to. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. It does. It does. And the rest of us grew up with Disney. <laughs> Kirsten at eight, year, eight years old watching Showgirls, Rocky Horror. Um, I wanted to be a showgirl. <laughs> Sorry, you're not on that. I'm going to rewind that. I'm going to rewind that. You can't rewind that. You bet that. Oh, I feel it never changed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but. Uh, I know you had that connection to it, but for me, watching it for the first time now, I just I cannot see any of the uh, delight in it. I cannot see any of the um, again. I can see what maybe it wanted to be, but end of the day, that's not what we got. So for me, it is uh, one star. And in terms of where it fits, honestly, obviously, it's above Cats because Cats is just irredeemable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But below the room, because for me, the room, if we're talking in story, mm-hmm. then it's above the room. Mm-hmm. But because it at least has a cohesive, even if it's a crap story, <laughs> it's a cohesive story. But for me, the room, I could get drunk and watch and be like, <laughs> dumb. I could get in a room of people and throw spoons at the, yeah. Yeah. the thing. I cannot see myself enjoying this even drunk I'll just get angry <laughs> I, I, I couldn't do this socially I couldn't throw g-strings at the <laughs> at the screen it's just you and I are very different people. we're very different people. <laughs> um, so yeah definitely that's where it sits for me I'm loving the feedback on the showgirls <laughs> I I kind of sense this is where it would go but just like the movie you can never really be prepared <laughs> I first saw this, I think, in my late teens when it came out on video. So in Australia, got an R classification, so it was okay to go out on video on VHS without being censored. Interesting, while sort of researching the film for this podcast, I discovered that over in the United States, uh, Blockbuster Video, um, people Google what that is, um, (laughs) actually didn't carry NC-17 movies at all. Yeah, so it sort of had to be trimmed uh, a little bit. I think three minutes of it was trimmed for it to be released. What three minutes? What three minutes? I know. You'd think it a lot more. Okay. I I I researched, but didn't research that well. (laughs) Being found out. (laughs) Um, Obviously, you know... Back in time. Yeah, this this, this movie was was banned in a lot of countries, but um, just like you... Kristen got the, the, the full exposure, <laughs> which is great. I've always had fun with this movie. When I watch it again, I tend to just have more things to enjoy about it. I don't take it too seriously. I think I fall into the spirit of the film. And I like that Quentin Tarantino has described it as you know, a real uh, big-budget exploitation movie. Yes. And I think that that's where I can get a lot of fondness for this movie here. So... 
I enjoy it a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of fun with this movie. I love how over the top it is, how campy it is. Yeah, I, it probably just says a lot about me <laughs> as, a, as a human being. But I, I, I like that it's kind of finding its audience as well. Like, yeah, it didn't do well in the cinema, but it did extraordinarily well um, on home video. And that's where it actually became profitable. Oh. So it, overall, it's a profitable film because of home video. And I think to this day, it's still in MGM's top 20 all-time bestsellers wow. on video. Oh so it just God. needed to find that yeah. cult audience <laughs> and um, yeah. we've embraced it amazingly. I think we've reached the stage, Philip, where you and I have done a lot of movies together. <laughs> Kendall as well. You and I have reviewed a lot of movies together and we finally came to the greatest divide between us in yeah. scoring. Yeah. Four out of five from oh. me. Whoa. It's a classic. It is a classic. <laughs> yes. Let's go and watch it again. I, I veto this. <laughs> <laughs> protest. Protest. Filibuster. <laughs> Well, I know not everyone here enjoyed watching the film, but I hope you've enjoyed the discussion. I've had a lot of fun. Me Absolutely. too. Nice. Nice. I cannot wait to see what our next craptacular movie will be. I know that some of you are dreading it. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, I've been a Wayne Stellini. I've been a Philip Hunting. I've been a Kendall Richardson. I've been a Kirsten Shanahan. I've been a Fulga Kantaramaju. And, and you've you just experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. <laughs> Stripper poles out, people! <laughs> Get them ice cubes! <laughs> <laughs> is today's film well mate today we're reviewing one of hollywood's most infamous gamble and do that again mm -hmm. with director paul verhoeven and hollywood's highest paid writer joe esterhas oh, i knew i'd fuck it up esther esterhas yep there were some elements in this film that i kind of enjoyed and like just just very unsurprisingly, I just, sorry, unsurprisingly, surprisingly. Um, I'm very surprised I, I found something to like about this. If we're familiar with uh, Peter Van Hoven's, did I say his name you, right? You, no, I you said you, Van, didn't I? Or you said you called Peter. You, you called him Peter. <laughs> yeah, I said got his first name and surname wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm good. But then you have these fights between, you know, the, the lead actress. Um, Crystal. Sorry. Crystal, good I actually I got dragged it back with that. Um, oh fuck! I had the name. Is What's it something we've watched? Yeah, something we've watched. Um, the black exploitation movie. Coffee. Coffee. You, we have this. I felt this thing with Nam. I keep gonna call Naomi. Nomi. Nomi. But until then, 
How do we do it normally? Do I start when we've got more I, than I just you and I? I think it's you and I, and then we go around the table. And then we go around the table. I think so, yeah. Okay, cool.